Hey everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of Premier League Podcast here on FanRag Sports. My name is Sebastian Noren, with me is Polly Quistel and Elliot Niblock. We will discuss what happened over the weekend here, both in the Premier League and in the FA Cup. And then we'll take a quick little look ahead at the Champions League fixtures this coming week. So, first and foremost... Spoiler Juventus and Atletico Madrid will win. Uh, the English teams, I have no idea what's going to happen with them. That's my two cents in case I don't make it that long. English clubs are uncertain in Europe. Newsflash. Yeah. Yep. Breaking news. Also, also protect your computer from Y2K. Yeah. So let's get into the FA Cup here first and foremost. We are set now. The four teams remaining are Chelsea, who will take on Tottenham. And then we'll get Arsenal taking on Manchester City. Uh, starting off today, Monday, as we record this, Chelsea took a one nothing win over Manchester United. Polly, I'm assuming you saw this game. I did. I did. Uh, where do you, where would you I don't like know, to start? I don't know if I would call it a game. Okay. Or all right, I, if you want to call it, you can call it a game. That's fair, but I wouldn't call it a game of soccer. Uh, uh, okay, then how would you characterize it? Badminton. I don't know, but <laughs> this was this will and and this wasn't surprising. I knew this would happen. We knew this would happen going into the game. Um, but this Jose Mourinho had no intention of of staging a football match. In this game, the same way um, that he had no intention of staging a football match when United went to Anfield back in October and left with a 1-1 draw. And we knew that as soon as the team sheet came out and Ashley Young was starting on the left wing, which coincidentally he hadn't done since that Anfield match. Um, He did change up the formation, I guess, just to match Chelsea after Chelsea demolished United last time out. But... He had no intention of, of playing this game, and, and it was clear every time Eden Hazard touched the ball and United would hack him down. Mm-hmm. And if that wasn't clear enough, then it was his intentions were made completely clear when Ander Herrera was sent off, and Mourinho's decision there was to remove Henrik Mikitarian from the game to bring on Marouane Fellaini, who I guess because... Mourinho considers him like a defensive-minded midfielder, even though there is no statistical metric to suggest that he is at all defensive when he could have brought on Michael Carrick. And it just took away any semblance of creativity that United had or anybody who might be a threat. And you could tell he did it because Mourinho was convinced it was going to work. Like It was, it was going to work in the sense that by bringing on Fellaini, we're going to just keep playing defense and this game's going to end nil-nil and we'll go to penalties. Even though he had like over 100 minutes until that would happen. It never really occurred to him that like, oh, if we concede, I just took off my best chance of scoring a goal in Henrik Mkhitaryan. Well, no, I mean, your boy Marcus Rashford is their best chance of scoring a goal and he had arguably the best Who's going to give him the ball though? So. Who's... He did, but who's gonna like? Who's gonna create stuff for us? Yeah, no, I mean, I, uh, I, I understand your point, but I, st- I still think that I think Manchester United are gonna leave Stamford Bridge with their heads held high because after going a man down on what I think was an extremely soft red card, yeah, you know, well, it was literally a soft red because it was you know two yellows, but still, I thought it was pretty. Harsh. I don't think so. I don't think it was that soft. Oh, I, really? Are you serious? Yeah, I think the ref told Chris Wong. He said, yo, cut it out. 
Smalling is the captain, so the ref says, hey, if you foul this guy again, I'm going to give you a card. Smalling's responsibility as captain is tell your team, hey, guys, we can't foul Eden Hazard anymore. I know that clearly the manager wrote on the chalkboard in the locker room, whenever foul Hazard gets the ball, possible. foul him. Yeah. Yeah. Foul him. All right, that, it, that was crystal clear. But eventually Smalling has to be like, look, he's going to give us a card. Or maybe be like, all right, so like somebody not on a yellow card – take the foul so that the ref can make his point and give a card. And then we could go back to fouling. He never told that to under Herrera. Well, so Herrera okay. comes in and fouls him. Yeah. And but the referee st- backs up his word and he gives him a yellow. Yeah, I, don't I don't disagree know. with the call. I, I'm the United I, fan here. I don't disagree with the call. I, I, I still think that, I mean, I still think that that's the kind of the situation where, yeah. All right. You give anybody else a yellow card, but sending a player off for, I, it, I'm, I still think that, you know, in in that situation, you pull Herrera aside, and you know the the next player who fouls Hazard gets a yellow because See, but now, but that's then you just, now you just lost your credibility. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I. But I like, think... right, but put it this way: What if the situation was reversed? Like, what if? What if Herrera earns his first yellow card there and then later gets the challenge that's worthy of a yellow card? Aren't you still going to say that's a soft sending off? Mm, let's let's yeah. go back to last year's man. Let's go back to last year's Manchester Derby when you know United take a corner kick, Joe Hart catches it, and Chris Smalling, who's way out of position, just stands in front of him and doesn't let him boot the ball down the field, picks up a yellow card, and everybody just goes, "Oh, okay." And then five minutes later, actually like pulls the guy down and gets sent off. You know, it's. At the time, you looked at that yellow card, and you were just like, all right, yeah, he 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 did what defenders do in that situation, and he picked up his card, and, and he'll move on, and he'll live with it. But five minutes later, it comes back to bite him. So this, it's the same thing, you know, just don't foul the guy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe you can fault Smalling for not passing the referee's message down the chain of command, but I, I, still, think, I still think it was a little soft. But regardless, my main point here is that I think that Manchester United – you know, like they they acquitted themselves very well, a man down. I mean, they they kept the game at one nil, not a four nil thrashing again. They were in it. I mean, they had some chances. You know, a lot of them were half chances. The only real chance was that Rashford on the break, in which you know he turned Cahill really well, and I thought he was going to score, but he should have scored. And he really should. He he should have scored. But I I mean, Manchester United. I I don't think that. I think that they're going to leave Stamford Bridge with their pride intact, even if they still lost the tie. But all right, but you're you're saying that because they only lost one nil when this team was literally, I mean, three minutes into the match, the the announcer just goes, the announcer went, it looks like United are going to play a narrow back four that's going to turn into a back six, and <laughs> like he was spot on. Yeah, yeah that's what happened. Like. Uh, What's his face? Tucked. Uh, Valencia came back. Darmian came back, and Darmian and Rojo tucked inside, and, and Ashley Young came back. I mean, like the team was designed to not give up a goal and not necessarily score one. Well, okay, but, and, but the thing is that you can take issue with those tactics in general, which I, I think you and I both agree that we both fault Jose for doing that. But in this situation specifically, the match, you know, the. The game management, when you're down a man away at Chelsea, then suddenly those tactics to me are the right tactics. 
things, you know? Even if it, uh, if it annoys me that he's going into the game with that mindset, as soon as the team is down to 10 men, then that is the right decision, I think, tactically. I and it almost paid with off that. for them. It almost paid off. I mean, if, it, if I don't Rashford disagree with I don't chance, disagree with the fact that when you're down to 10 men, you should play defensively. But at least try to do something where maybe we can win the game. Like, you know, why would you, like... You could have – they could have played defensively and given the illusion that um, that they were trying to still win. Or if you go down one – here's the thing is in his mind, and, and I don't disagree with you, is that he didn't necessarily play it wrong. But what he did was he was convinced that it was going to work and there was no contingency plan. By taking off Mkhitaryan to bring on Fellaini, you've screwed yourself if you do concede. If say let's say you take off uh, Mateo Darmian, you move Ashley Young back to left back, and you bring on Michael Carrick or even Fellaini. In that case, you now just you like if you go down one nil, you have an option there. You have someone like Mkhitaryan on the field who could still do stuff for you, who could still create. Mkhitaryan still works hard. It's not like he doesn't ever come back and and play defense. He tracks back. Sure. So what you're doing is. You, there is a contingency plan in place. Like, yes, obviously we're going to sit back and we're going to defend and we're going to try to get a nil-nil and uh, hopefully we're going to go to penalties and hopefully we beat them there. But if we concede one, we have players to go forward. At the end of the day, you had, you had your striker. When they were pushing in the last five, ten minutes, you had Marcus Rashford running into the channels on the left side because you had no one else to play on the left side. And you have Fellaini going forward. You have your best passer on the team sitting on the bench. There, he just he could have played it differently in the game. And you know what? The whole time, the, the way he came out and played this, and the way he acted all week, I think he was scared. Yeah, that's. I, I mean, I I think he's kind of. We could go. We could go for hours on the demons that hide underneath Jose's scalp in terms of him. I mean, he scared, did the most. <laughs> but he did the most Mourinho thing ever this week when he just when he just sits down with the with the reporters and he goes, "Well, Chelsea are uh, they're really good this year because they don't have to do Europe and like uh, yeah. you know that's kind of my fault. So like I kind of deserve credit. Like he insinuated that and he goes, "But I don't deserve any of the credit. Like I don't deserve credit. Like but like he's asking for credit." I mean, he's he he is frequently a joke, and I think oftentimes intentionally a joke when there's a microphone in front of him. But, but him, the, I mean, the funniest thing he did this this week was say that Chelsea are, they have the ability to like dominate to play really well in the FA Cup because they don't have to concentrate on Europe. And it was like, dude, that's your fault. Yeah, yeah. we'll see though. I mean, at at this point, if you if you get anything. If you get anything longer than almost even money on Chelsea winning the double, you should take that bet because, God, they look good for it. Mm -hmm. So Mourinho setting up Chelsea to win. Oh, Seb's here. Look at him not having opinions again. <laughs> nope. Hey, I as soon as that red card came out, I was like, okay, this game is over. Yeah. But, they, but the thing is, although while you're right – the the contrast from a week ago with Arsenal to me is just it's it's so it's so stark right because Manchester United are away against one of the best teams in the world right now and they go a man down with most of the second half left to play and what do they do 
they end up looking dangerous at several points, and they leave with a 1-0 loss. Arsenal yeah, because we're really at good at not league games. Well, but yeah, but Arsenal are at home <laughs> against one of the best teams in Europe, and they go a man down, and they get embarrassed by shipping in five goals. I mean, it's just, it is, it, it's, it, it is night and day in terms of how you're leaving that stadium with your pride intact or totally shattered. It doesn't mean that I think that I prefer Jose Mourinho's tactics to Arsene Wenger's. I don't, but... You know, it could have gotten ugly, and it didn't. And that's, you know, that's the the most you could say. But against this Chelsea team, uh, you know, even before the red card, United were huge underdogs. And then after it, Seb, as you said, was really hard to give him much of a chance. Yeah. I mean, it's, the, know, first, look- it's the first non-league game that we lost to an English team since 2015. So... We're really good at non-league games. So, yeah, we held our head high, but we also just came in there and, and said, we're Manchester United, we're one of the biggest teams in England, and we're going to park the bus against Chelsea because we're scared of them. Yeah. And no Slata, no Martial, yeah. Rashford. I don't know but what kind of, you know, Rashford probably not Martial 100% either. Played. Yeah, no, Rashford wasn't, they said yesterday, they said yeah. yesterday Rashford didn't make the trip to London. Yeah. And suddenly he's in the starting lineup. Yeah, he wasn't a hundred percent. And had had Zlatan been fit, you know, Martial, Rooney, Rashford, none of them would have played. He would have set up the team the exact same way. Ashley Young would have started this game, regardless if if other people were fit or not. That's not, he wanted six defenders on the sign. field. That's not a no, good sign. He wanted he wanted six defenders on the field. Yeah. Chelsea, they will take on Tottenham. So we got a little London derby there in semifinals. They smashed Millwall 6-0. Uh, Hyung Min Son with a hat trick in this one. Harry Kane going off injured, though. And uh, we don't know the extent of his injury yeah. quite yet. Yeah, I was going to say that. Uh, his ankle scan is delayed since his ankle is too swollen right now. That's so, not a great uh, sign. <laughs> <laughs> no. So Tuesday at the earliest, can he uh, get that scan done? So, uh, yeah, Pochettino fears that King could be out for weeks. Yeah, well, he's de- I mean, yes, it's going to be weeks, plural. I mean, I think that the soonest he would be back would be the first week of April. And even that, even if it's just a sprain, you know, that kind of swelling. I mean, I've sprained my ankle to that extent before, and, like, that's damaged ligaments, even if it's not, you know, a severe tear to a ligament or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, good for them that that uh, Min got scoring a little bit. Even Vincent Johnson scored in this game. What? From yes. the spot? Nope. He got well, it, was a goal. A, it wasn't a league game, so we know we know thing non-league games people can score uh, that can't score in the league, like Middlesbrough or uh, Manchester United at home. Uh, so yeah, uh, I you know I think this affects Spurs in one way and one way only, and that is it's a big blow for them trying to win the FA Cup. It's because a big blow for them can't... trying to finish second, too. Yeah. Okay, yeah, but I don't... Even without Kane, and even as bad as they were at the beginning of the season without Kane, I'm, I wouldn't be afraid of them uh, 
slipping out of the top four because uh, United, Liverpool, and Arsenal. And to an extent, City now too, because Gabriel Jesus is back to not being there. So they're back to just doing what they were doing before Gabriel Jesus arrived, which was struggling, right? Or just being overall inconsistent. Uh, but certainly United, Liverpool, Arsenal are too busy trying to hump a football to actually make a push for the top four. And United have, have shown that they are firmly committed to not getting out of sixth place. So they're pretty much out of the top four race. Liverpool are in a free fall. They're kind of out of it. I, I just I don't see Spurs falling behind City and Arsenal and another team. All I'm even gonna say, all I'm gonna say is twenty sixteen, man. If none of us saw right, that no. happening the, last yes. year. But Tottenham have this amazing ability to Tottenham. And when Tottenham right, Tottenham, right. So, then Tottenham. So Tottenham. really it, it just it opens the door up for St. Totteringham's Day. Yep. yep. And so. it's a it's a blow because first of all, Kane scores like Kane scores a million goals against London teams. Yeah, and he's so, been in, in just amazing form lately. Just incredible. Right. Oh, yeah. The, the guy's got like 100 goals in his last two games. Um, <laughs> Not I'm hyperbole. Sorry, that's a bit, Not hyperbole at all. That's, that was a little <laughs> bit of hyperbole. It was. It's more like six games. Um, and, and Tottenham are a team that's shown the ability to be able to beat Chelsea, as they've done it a couple of times in the last couple of years. But... They definitely need Harry Kane. The flip side to that is Tottenham probably weren't going to win this game anyway because they suck at Wembley. Mm, yeah, they haven't been good at Wembley, that's for sure. The semifinal isn't until third week of April. So oh, wow, he, should, he should be able to get back in time for that. But six nothing, nonetheless. Even though it's a league one side, it's not bad. They beat a league one side six nothing. I can tell you, uh, another team that couldn't score six against the non-league side. Oh gosh, only five. Yep, Arsenal five nothing win over Lincoln City. This game was pretty boring. It, I mean, it could have been could have been seven. It was, oh, it could have been ten. Yeah. It was. Um, Lincoln, I mean, Lincoln City. Lincoln, Lincoln City stood up striker well in the first did, first half. Lincoln City striker did not look like someone who was in football playing shape. What the butcher boy? No. <laughs> <laughs> he moved a, around the field pretty well. He moved around the field pretty well, but he he didn't he did not look like someone with an athlete's body. No, he's got a beer gut and a bad comb over. <laughs> So, but they did, they worked our asses off in the first half. Walcott did score in stoppage time, though. And then we saw in the second half just how big of a gap it is between the, these two teams. Jiru yeah. um, made it 2 nothing. then. Waterfall scored a known goal. And then Sanchez and Ramsey also got on the board for Arsenal. Who, uh, I mean, Elliot, when you looked at the starting lineup, were you surprised at all? Or No, no, I wasn't. No? I mean, I... It, it was what Wenger had to do. I mean, he said he, he said after the game, like, I had to choose a strong lineup because, you know, we needed a response based on the abysmal week we've had. Yeah. Um, he started Alexis Sanchez. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Yeah. It, but it was, he had to pick a strong team and pick a strong team he did, and they went out and got the job done. And, you know, there was, I've, I've said frequently on this podcast that I think it's time for Wenger to go. And I still maintain that opinion. But, you know, at, it, I saw earlier today that, that e- even though I think that Arsene Wenger should no longer be the manager of Arsenal Football Club, that he spent an hour and a half talking to the Lincoln manager, Danny Cowley, and his uh, brother, I think Nick, the assistant manager. Yeah. And that is, I mean, that just epitomizes him. I mean, he is a classy guy, and he's generous with his time. And I think that it a lot of the criticism that's leveled towards him just... It, you know, in the same, we see this all over the internet, right? In that the vitriol that flies around these days is just, it is so fiery and it just gets out of hand. And I think that a lot of the criticism that is aimed towards him is justified, but then a lot of it also just goes over the top. And I think that that, you know, that is a moment that truly encapsulates just how classy he is, or at least how classy he can be. Mm-hmm. And I really want him to have. Uh, you know, a quality send-off as the Arsenal manager. We have half a prayer at making that, you know, be a send-off with an FA Cup. I wouldn't say that it's even 51% of a prayer, but it's half a prayer. And I I want, I think that he needs to go, but for the time being, this is, you know, this is a good win for Arsenal. I'm happy we're playing at Wembley. I'll be in Europe at the time, so maybe I'll even get a chance to go to the game. So I'm 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 happy all around with this win. You know, I don't care that it was a non-league team. I don't care that Tottenham scored one more goal than we did in the quarterfinal. I'm glad that we won 5-0 because Arsenal goals are something I always love to see. Yeah, and I mean they, they exactly. just needed That's a, this. Yeah. And it's a and and this could be the what turns them around and gives them some confidence. And Wenger talked about how it's probably good for them to go out there and play with no pressure and, you know, be able to show off and do tricks and stuff because they were playing as an inferior opponent and that, you know, could give them the confidence to get back to, you know, kind of just remember that football is fun again. Yeah, exactly. And get back, get back to playing how they could play. And, and, if, if and about Menger just taking that time out of his, out of his life with the managers, that's something that doesn't get enough. It doesn't get enough press, but it's yeah. not just Menger. It's a lot of the managers. Yeah. Uh, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson, in his in his autobiography, he used to talk about how, you know, Wenger, Mourinho, Benitez, he was like, some of the fiercest rowers I had, he goes, we used to spend hours after each game, you know, talking, just, you know, having wine and, and enjoying each other's company and just talking about the game. Even though, like, you know, this is, these are people that, uh, you know, you just played a bitter 1-0 game and you're out there pissed off and, and talking to the media and, and yelling at the ref and then you mm-hmm. go and you spend two hours with Wenger yep. and you're the bus leaves without you and you're finding your way home. Like yep. Take yeah. an Uber. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They didn't have Uber when Sir Alex Ferguson was a manager. And that's like not even not true statement. <laughs> that's, no, yeah. That's scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. I mean main thing is that even though he's a classic guy, I agree with you, Elliot, it's time for him to leave. And uh, it would be better if they just announced it now. Yeah. The sooner the better. Yeah, I agree. Then we got Manchester City beating Middlesbrough 2-0 Silva and Aguero with the goals. Guess how many goals Aguero has on the season? 
Not 40. No, not 40. He still <laughs> has time, though. Don't look it up. Give me... I, I don't know. You t- he's got to be... 29. Oh, I mean, comes at, what, 26? So is the Guerrero at 30? 24. Close. 24. Oh. Okay. Right, never mind, it wasn't close. <laughs> he's got, like, seven in those two Champions League qualifiers, though. Mm. He's got 12 league goals in 21 appearances, so that's pretty good. But uh, behind him, there's not much else. Uh, Sterling, I think, has a total of nine goals in all competitions. And then uh, Inacho with seven, maybe. But uh, they got two goals here against Middlesbrough. They hold a clean sheet. Leroy Sané is starting to really turn it on. Yeah, he's a good player. He's definitely a very good player. Um, Claudio Bravo against Brad Guzen. What a goalie matchup in this one. (laughs) Man. Oh, boy, and Guzan was not impressive in that. Yeah. Was that his last game, do you think, from Middlesbrough? Uh, yeah. Burrow would be better for it if it was. And I love how all the U.S. like reporters have like actually been talking about like how the U.S. is screwed in goal for these March qualifiers, like because Howard got hurt in November and Guzan doesn't start anymore. And it's like, Howard, like, the MLS season started, and, like, there's Howard in yeah. goal. And I was like, oh. And he's fine. He's fine. <laughs> Obviously, you guys just have a quota of articles you need to put out where yeah. you just, like, you just wrote the same pa- – They literally, some of these guys would, like, write the same paragraph about the goalies in every article that they were that they wrote, even if it was like, oh, Bruce Arena is going to have questions at striker, and then, like, somehow at the end of the article they'd tag in, like, the U.S. also has questions in goal. <laughs> like, no, we don't. Like, get out of here. GTFO. Yeah, boy, that's sneaking up on us. We're just a little over 10 days out. We got a roster reveal coming on Wednesday. Bum, bum, bum. (laughs) Hey, at least Bobby Wood scored. Hi, hey, Seb, this is going to be your first. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. Winner, too. Bobby Wood sit on the bench and watch Josie Altidore not score for the U.S. Seb, this is going to be your first uh, competitive U.S. men's national team fixture as a U.S. citizen. It will yeah, be. oh, dude, you got to start liking Bob Michael Bradley now. Nope. <laughs> he is the savior no, of got, your country. Yeah, you've got to uncritically <laughs> love him and Landon Donovan. That's that's how it works, man. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Yeah, hey, I, used to, to I, act, you, I used to like Landon when he was like, with the Galaxy. Yeah, me too. You have to act like Michael Bradley could play in any league, shape, way, shape, or form. It's just he took his talents to MLS, and it, his game has not dropped off in the slightest since doing that. <laughs> it's everybody around him and the manager that's the reason that he's playing so terribly. Although, did yeah. you see David Villa came out uh, on the eve of the MLS season and made some comments about how he thinks that MLS deserves greater respect than it's afforded in oh, Europe? Oh, yeah, okay. Like, obviously. Okay. <laughs> you, know who, you know who I want? Like, I'm not going to take any of that seriously until someone comes out there, like, and say, yeah, it was like a preseason game, but like I was really freaking impressed with, with these MLS guys. They're really good, actually. Like, until somebody does that, like Steven Gerrard said it last year, but like people misunderstood what he said. Like he came out and said MLS isn't as isn't as easy as you think it is. And everybody's like, yeah, see the competition. I was like, no, read what he wrote. Like, yeah, read yeah. what he said. He's like, the travel's awful. Like, he's like, mm-hmm. he's like, we travel. So he's like, the, the, the games are played on turf. Like yeah. the travel's awful. It's so freaking hot when we play. Like, that's what he was bitching about. It was snowing in Minnesota <laughs> when the loons got slammed by Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. But Seb, uh, I can't wait to watch Bobby Wood sit on the bench because we need to start Josie out the door. And with, Benny Failhaber, like, right underneath him. Oh, ah, that's too bad. 
I do enjoy me watching Bobby Wood. He's a good player. Yeah, he's he is a good, good player. Talent. He's a good talent. That's and we're sure. about to take a really good player in Fabian Johnson and stick him at left back so he has so he has zero interest in actually being on the field. <laughs> you make it sound so positive and good and happy. I have no faith in this manager. Okay. Yeah, we'll get more to that when we get closer, of course. Uh, let's move over to the Premier League. And Saturday we had three games. Sunday we had one game. Uh, kicking off things with Hull taking a two to one win over Swansea, a very important win for the Tigers. And how are we going to praise Marco Silva after this one? <laughs> Good job! He beat the four, he beat an informed team. Yeah. We're only one point behind Crystal Palace now. An informed team at the bottom of the table. I mean, the, you've seen Palace. They got three wins in their last five. I think Swansea had three wins in their last, last five, five prior to the game. Look, so. it was it, it was a it was a reg it was a uh, relegation six pointer. So you can never oh, yeah. de- like they won. Good job by them. And Swansea have been playing really well recently. Mm-hmm. Not just not just winning two in a row. They've looked good doing it. So yeah. good job by Hulk, who have also been playing well recently. Yeah. It's thrown the relegation. Uh, battle into a nice little entertaining. Yeah, and I, I think that Silva, <laughs> yeah, uh, Silva did a good, good job though, as far as getting new people in during the January transfer window. Niasse scored both goals against Swansea. He was brought in on loan from Everton, uh, along with a slew of other players. I know they let go of uh, Robert Snodgrass, who went to. West Ham, but they did bring in a lot of different people here, so those are definitely the guys that are going to do it. Yeah, I mean, I think that Hull have their work cut out for them, but honestly, if they if they hadn't won this match, then it would look like the bottom three were pretty much set to be the bottom three. Mm. Uh, quick question, though. I might get thrown out of the country for it, but quick question. Uh-oh. Um, yes. Maybe it was Bob Bradley's fault. <laughs> the Swans were doing terribly. Yeah. Maybe Bob Bradley is to blame. Yeah, his tactics just did not work on that level. What and you mean, not... ten men behind the ball? And it, it goes ten against... men behind the ball and wait for wait for Dempsey or Donovan to do something magical. Yeah, and it goes against the way that's so why because I feel like Swansea looked more like themselves under Paul Clement. They still have a, some questions just regarding their lineup. I, I think they need to improve their squad next season if they do end up staying up. Uh, but Clement has them playing more like we've used to seeing them more expressive. Oh, uh, God. You know, we're talking right now about Bob Browley and questionable tactics. And I'm yeah. looking up at my TV. And uh, the Rangers are on a power play right now. And it's like the symmetry is just perfect. Okay, who's on that power play unit? You need it, too. Yep. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's on the power play. They suck. (laughs) (laughs) They can't do it. It's March. The Rangers Rangers power play has been the same thing for 15 years. October, November, really good. Uh, Goes through a nice surge in December. And then January, February, it starts to slow down. And by March, it's just a dumpster fire. (laughs) At least it's tied. It's 1-1 against Tampa right now. It's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but oh, God. (laughs) Then we saw Everton take a 3-0 win over West Brom, which Albion 
Kevin Morales, Morgan Snydlin. Was that his first goal in the Everton jersey? Maybe. I don't know. I haven't checked. And then Romelu Lukaku. Speaking of Morgan Snydlin, you know who's tearing up League One right now? Who is tearing up League One? Memphis Depay. Oh, Oh, League One. You mean League yeah, He's got yeah, League One. He's got four goals and, and three assists in his first nine games there. And he scored a sensational goal from half field. Oh yeah, I saw weekend. that. That was that was remarkable. Yeah, he's a good player. Maybe like United should look into signing him over the summer. <laughs> good young player. <laughs> well, okay, let's talk about this. Uh I just think that it sort of went to his head a little. Coming to it United, it one hundred percent did. It one hundred percent did. And then he it fell didn't out. fit Van Gaal's style, which makes no, no sense because he played well at the World Cup. And then fell out with the manager. Did and then just wasn't in the plan with when Mourinho took over. He took one look at him and said, "Nope." Boy, when yeah, was the last time that a creative the, winger like, went to honest, France and was time, successful after having a hard time at United? I can't think of oof. anyone. Can't think of anyone. Oh my god. Well, that's not fair. Radamel Falco had a hard time at Chelsea, too. Oh. <laughs> All right, touche. That's funny. Yeah, Falco um, bounce back. Yeah. Uh, yes, that's Steinway's first goal at Everton. But also, in, in Jose's defense, but like the. the, the um, when United signed Memphis Depay and when Jose Mourinho arrived, the situation at, like on the wings was completely different. United mm-hmm. didn't really have anybody other than Ashley Young and Memphis Depay and an unknown Jesse Lingard because he had barely played when they signed Depay. I mean, this year they had Lingard, they had Mata, they had Mkhitaryan, they had Martial, they had Rashford. There was just it wasn't so much that he didn't he wasn't good enough. It was just there was a dumpster fire. There were so many people in front of him. And Mourinho's already admitted, like, one of the reasons Rooney hasn't played so much is because hasn't played as much as he would like him to is just because he's always trying to get Rashford onto the field. He loves Rashford. As he should. Rashford's amazing. Yep. That is true. So, Everton, they are trying to catch up to Manchester United. I don't know if it's going to happen, but at least they're trying, right? They're playing really well, but United United are very, very, very committed to staying in sixth. So <laughs> it'll be happening, but it'll be interesting if Everton really like climb up high enough and start knocking on the door, and United actually have to start winning some home games. It'd be mm. interesting to see what happens then. I mean, United still have two games in hand over Everton, and I know that one, one of them, of them is against Manchester City. City. I know, away. I know, but still. Hmm. Then Bournemouth took a 3-2 win over West Ham despite missing two penalties in this game. God, and the uh, first miss was egregious. Yeah. Joshua King did make up yeah, for it, though. Yeah, we've seen some bad half. misses. We've seen some bad misses from the penalty spot, like, in the last, like, three weeks. Yeah. yeah. Not John Terry bad, but still bad. <laughs> I thought that was a great miss. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I agree with you there. Uh, so, yeah, despite missing that open penalty kick in the ninth minute, Joshua King went on. He scored a hat-trick. Hat uh, Fobe also missed a penalty kick for Bournemouth. But a uh, much-welcome win for them. Their form has been pretty awful here. I think that was the first win of the new year, actually. Yep. 
but these are the kind of games that you need that they need to win to survive. You know, like last year they had the benefit they beat Chelsea, they beat United. You didn't really see that happening again. Uh, although they did go to Old Trafford and get a point, but mm-hmm. you know, so is so is every relegation contender. So that's not really, you know, that's just uh, that's kind of like the free square and bingo. Oh, okay, <laughs> United is the free free square and bingo. <laughs> They've drawn more games at home than they've won. Yeah, they've drawn the that, most games together that sounds, with Middlesbrough. Ten. That sounds like they're the free square and bingo. Yep. Um, but, yeah, these are the games that you got to win. You know, you missed two penalties, we still got the win, and that's how you avoid relegation. Mm-hmm. West Ham, they're stuck in the middle bunch there. They're in 11th place right now, 33 points. Yeah. And then... Last but not least, Liverpool taking a 2-1 win over Burnley. Burnley putting up a fight. They took the lead in this one at least. They will get an away point sooner or later again. <laughs> Just don't know how they'll ever be able to get a win, though. Yeah. That goal from Emery Khan had eyes. <laughs> Because it was not the hardest shot in the world, but it just like managed to get exactly where it needed to get. Yeah. Yeah. So Liverpool, they um, they have a five point lead over Arsenal. Yes, Arsenal have two games in hand, um, but they're in that fourth spot now. Yeah. They can keep Arsenal out of top four. That's not a good way for Wenger to go out. No, that's it's not a sure. good way for Wenger to go out. But you're at the part of the year now. Like, I mean, we knew this was going to happen. You know, come March, Arsenal don't have any European commitments. So Liverpool don't exactly have that up on Arsenal anymore. Yeah. yeah. Paul, well, you, Paul, you bring up history so much. History doesn't mean jack shit. <laughs> look, look, before the, before the show, I meant to, t- I texted you guys ready. I meant to text ready. It came out as read. Elliot was like, man, screw books. I like to crack a book every once in a while just so that I don't end up just so that I don't end up with the kind of revisionist history that Mr. Mourinho has. Oh. I like to stay grounded, keep both feet on the ground, read a book every every so often. And yeah, I like history and history tends to repeat itself, especially in Arsenal's case. And how are Liverpool going to keep Arsenal out of fourth place if Arsenal have to finish above Tottenham? The math doesn't make sense there, Seb. <laughs> well, no, it doesn't. <laughs> that's not going to happen. I was like, yeah. either no, that's not going to happen. I mean, Tottenham uh, just need to mount an even more epic collapse than they did last year. Which yeah. actually, I don't know, the epicness of that collapse is... Probably insurmountable, but I mean, we'll see how it goes without Kane here. It's they are very heavily reliant on him. I think Deli Ali is definitely going to have to uh, to uh, step up big time here. Yeah. Okay, Polly, you're heading out. Elliot, I am. You and I we're going to take a look at the Champions League fixtures here coming up in uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. Starting things off on Tuesday. Juventus against Porto. Juventus has a 2-0 lead from the first leg. I don't really see this one ending in any other way than Juventus going through. Yeah, I I agree with you in that. I mean... I, I feel like we had our humongous upset, or not even upset, comeback. comeback. Yeah. yeah. Uh, last uh, time around with Barcelona. So, Juventus, they're s- 
such a good side. Porto, yeah, they're good by Portuguese standards, um, but it's just the gap is a little bit too big here between the, these two sides. The game to watch tomorrow is Leicester City Sevilla because Leicester yes. finally, finally have a little bit of form under their belt after sacking Claudio Ranieri, which is sad. But you've got to be—I mean, we got to be honest—they they've looked better. Yeah, and... yeah, it's that new manager smell. <laughs> You know, in the locker room, new managers melt. They got two straight 3-1 victories over Liverpool and over Hull. So, and they're only a goal behind here after losing the first one, uh, two to one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that away goal, that, we'll see. I I think that the odds on Leicester City turning this fixture around are only slightly shorter than the odds on Barcelona turning theirs around, which I know were probably long, but, you know, it's Barcelona. And, I mean, Leicester have to make the king power a fortress the way that it was a year ago in order to have a prayer in this game. But if they can keep a clean sheet, they they can win this fix. They can win this. I mean, if they, that's all they have to do. And without N'Golo Conte, yeah, that's going to be harder because he was so... You know, just such a stalwart for them at the back. But if they can manage to keep a clean sheet, nick a goal on the counterattack, that was their bread and butter last season, and it would it would be a certain amount of poetic justice, given what the fans of the Foxes have had to endure, you know, this season and that huge kind of fall from grace after winning the league last year. It would be a it would be a really nice. You know, it it would be a nice thing to see them fairly improbably make it on to the quarterfinals in the Champions League. Yeah, Sevilla, I mean, they're not a super strong away team. Um, They have, let's see what they did in the group stage. They got a scoreless draw away to Juventus on uh, opening day. Then they got a 1-0 win against Dinamo Zagreb and then a scoreless draw against Lyon. Um, I want to say it was last season they did something crazy where they didn't win like a single league game away from home. <laughs> oh my um, god, the Portland Timbers did the exact same thing last year, but they won one this year. <laughs> yep, Sorry, and they're no. coming in. I think it was maybe they picked up a one win, I don't know, but it, it was something crazy like that where they were such a bad side yeah. away from home, yeah. they were like Burnley class. And although I'm not putting crap on Burnley, they've they've lost a lot of one-goal games on the road. And they've played well. It's just that they can just not get it together. Uh, Sevilla coming in with two straight draws on this one. They played 1-1 against Alaves and then 1-1 against Leganes. So, uh, I mean, you got to give Leicester a fighting chance in this one, especially if, you know, as long as it's scoreless. As long as it's scoreless... I think they'll be up for it. If they let an early goal in, I think we might see the floodgates open. Oh yeah, yeah. Because then they yeah. got to push up. If it's even if it's nil nil at halftime, I think then Leicester have got a good shot. But I hate to say it, I'm going to kind of undercut the other fixtures we're going to preview the rest of this week in the Champions League. But honestly, I think Leicester, like the Leicester Sevilla tie, is. That's the only one that might be turned around from the first leg advantage among all of the matchups this week because I don't see either Monaco, Monaco or Bayer Leverkusen 
turning it around against Man City or Atletico Madrid. No, I totally agree with you there, Monaco. They do have some goals in them. It's just that, uh, first and foremost, that first leg was amazing. Manchester Manchester City. There we go. I can't speak. Manchester City. 5-3 win over Monaco. It was a goal fest. Uh, No defending in that game, though. It was the defending was horrid, but it was awesome to watch as a neutral mm-hmm. and just see a bunch of nice goals. I think we can see something similar in this second leg. Yeah. Monaco, they're going to have to push up, which is going to give City chances. So, yeah, I don't think Monaco is going to turn it around, but I still think it's going to be a very entertaining game and we'll probably see some goals. Oh, yeah. The other game, though, Atletico Madrid, they're up 4-2 to two over Bayer Leverkusen after the first leg. And I think they're just going to shut up shop here, maybe take a one nothing win. Yeah, I mean, that. Uh, why Why would they do anything other than that with four away goals and a two-goal advantage? Yeah, and they're at home, and they're super strong defensively. Yeah. That was how they got to the final last season. Mm-hmm. And Diego Godin remains, I think, one of the greatest defenders in the world who doesn't quite get his just desserts. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of a late bloomer, though, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I mean, that's... <laughs> hey, we were just talking about Leicester City. That was a team built on late bloomers plus N'Golo Conte last year. And Riyad Mahrez. Very true. Yeah, yeah. Riyad Mahrez, N'Golo Conte, and then late bloomers. That was about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean... And then it's not always as sexy with defenders. You know that it's going to be the, the guys who, who score the goals that are going to get most of the headlines. Yeah, yeah. When was the last time we had a... Defender win the Ballon d'Or. I that is that is a good question, and I have no idea, but I'm sure it's been a long time. How do you spell Ballon d'Or? B a l l o n d apostrophe o r. Ballon d'Or. Let me pull up the list here real quick. Let's see. Can I just? There we go. Winners. Wow, this goes back quite a while. Okay, so. Uh, okay, last year, Ronaldo, Messi, Ronaldo, Ronaldo, Messi, 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 Ronaldo, Kaká, Fabio <laughs> Cannavaro, 2006. Oh, wow, that's, boy, less than a decade. That's more recently than I would have guessed. No, it's just over a decade. 2006, 2017 now. Come on. Hmm. Boy. <laughs> Second that year was Gianluigi Buffon. And then third was Thierry Henry. Prior to that, it was Matthias Sommer in uh, 1996. Yeah, roughly once a decade, they're like, oh, crap, guys, we got to do it again. Mm -hmm. All right. (laughs) Before that, it was Lothar Matthias in 1990. But there's really really no one, uh, you know, there's no one you could point to and say, even if they were going to consider doing that, he's clearly head and shoulders the best defender in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Man, 1995. George Fia won. Jürgen Klinsmann was second. And then Yari Littmanen from little old Finland was mm-hmm. third. Yeah. Okay, we're way off topic here now. Yeah, but, we are. Uh, it, it's just, it's fun looking at these lists uh, and just going back and reminiscing because, I mean, these are some of the players that I watched as a little, a wee little lad back home in Sweden. So it's nice to see. Nice to see. Okay. Um, 
yeah, Atletico, they're, they're going to pull through. Do we want to say anything about the Europa League? or Sure, Seb, say something about the Europa League. <laughs> or we good? <laughs> we good for a while? I don't know. Um, I'm just going to – I mean, Copenhagen, they got a 2-1 two to, two to win, I believe, over Ajax in the first leg. That's good for them. That's a really good win for them if they can keep keep going at it. I don't know what happened between Genk and Ghent. I, I did not um, look uh, at that. Oh, wow. That was a goal fest. Genk won 5-2. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah, Manchester United, they got a 1-1 draw with them from Russia with their meeting uh, with Rostov. So yeah, they should be able be... to They should be able to pull that out, though. Yeah. Slot on his back. And, I mean, they've got the away goal, but uh, it'll be it'll be interesting, you know. Yeah. I, and also, my uh, shout out to Anderlecht, who took a one nil win over Apoel Nicosia, and they'll take that home to play in Brussels. Mm-hmm. I've I've got a good buddy who's been an Anderlecht supporter all his life, so I always like to see them do well in Europe. Even though them doing well in Europe usually means they are up a league. Yeah, Per Setteberg played many, many years for Anderlecht, sort of an underrated Swedish player. Never got his first shot in the national team. Yeah, that's Pretty one of only player. a handful of stadiums I've been to in Europe is Anderlecht. Mm, you'll have to uh, do a couple more there when you go to Europe. Uh, yeah, I, I intend to, even if it's Bundesliga 2, which it probably is going to be based on timing and money. <laughs> oh, St. Pauli. You know what? I... I was supposed to fly into Hamburg, and we were going to see a St. Pauli game, and then Iceland Air canceled all their routes to Hamburg. Thanks, Iceland Air. Boo so, on Iceland Air. Yeah, maybe it'll be Bayer Leverkusen or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're they're having a really bad season. Yeah, I think they're, they're in they're 10th more. or 11th, um, not doing well at all. So might be uh, might be a while before they get some more European soccer there at the uh, is it the Bay Arena? I think it's the Bay Arena. Yeah, that's that's correct. Yeah. Okay, quick final thoughts, and then we're out of here. All right, Seb, you lead us because mine was going to be about Wenger's post game interview. So, oh, well, Leicester interim boss Craig Shakespeare said that he believes. Leicester can win the Champions League. I know that <laughs> it's, you know, I know you got to be optimistic towards the fans and, you know, ahead of a game and everything, but come on, come on. No oh one is going to take you seriously when you say something like that. No, of course not. We are Champions League. We are Champions League, man. Diddy ding, diddy dong. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I misspoke. Mine actually isn't about a post-match interview, but uh, Arsene Wenger has been widely reported. He, so he made some comments about football punditry and brainwashing, uh, and that was, of course, quickly taken by the football pundits themselves into headlines of, you know, Arsene Wenger talks about Arsenal fans being brainwashed by the media. And that's his, if, you know... If you're listening to this, I encourage you to read his actual comments themselves. Because what he's talking about, and the example that he uses, is the Barcelona PSG game. And how quick the punditry turns on its head from, you know, PSG were on the ropes. They worked really hard to get that away goal that's now going to see them through. 
and and just uses that as an example of kind of the fickleness, right, of football punditry, and I think you could say sports punditry in general. Uh, but it just it strikes me as kind of funny that he makes this comment about the inflammatory and short-sighted nature of media coverage of sport, and then of course that comment is immediately spun into an inflammatory headline. <laughs> so oh, yeah. don't, you know, don't just take the clickbait at its word, even if you have to click on it or maybe find another source for it, then actually read what the man said because in traditional Arsene Wenger fashion, he's pretty articulate and is voicing complex ideas that, and he's not just saying Arsenal fans are brainwashed and that's why they're protesting against me. Oh, and I mean, that's the thing too, though, when you're at a, a press conference like that and there's so there's a lot of quotes and some of them they just get taken out of context oh, like yeah. you almost have to be in the room mm-hmm. yeah and that's what happens sometimes so you know yeah i mean i agree with his original point uh and i don't think that the the media is brainwashing any fans really yeah Yep. There's I mean, more. There's there's more biased media. I mean, you see that in in Spain, where you have a very you know pro Madrid you know part of the news, and then you have a very pro Barcelona. But honestly, I, I kind of I don't know. In in terms of coverage of the team, uh, part of me is fine with that. And I was thinking about this the other day in that. Um, ever since I was a kid, I mean, I grew up really close to Green Bay, Wisconsin, watching the Green Bay Packers, and uh, my parents, and especially my friend AC down the street, his dad would always mute the television, because, you know, John Madden seems like a sweet guy, and he can't be that dumb, because he was a coach, but he certainly is an inarticulate oaf when it comes to calling a game. And so he would always mute the TV and then turn on the local radio broadcast. And those guys are unapologetically partisan because they're paid to be the local radio affiliate that covers the Green Bay Packers. And I kind of like that when you're calling a game and, you know, you hear the announcer who's calling the goal or the touchdown or whatever – or, you know, in baseball, right? You know, announcers like Harry Carey, right? These these iconic figures. And you know when they're talking about that home run, that hat trick, what have you, that they're shouting about it because they're as excited as you are, not just because they're shouting about it because they're cashing a paycheck and actually deep down they really wish it was Blackpool United or the Seattle Seahawks or whatever, you know who was actually lifting the trophy. So that that's my, I guess, second final thought, my two cents okay. on biased well, punditry. <laughs> okay, so, but there is a line, though. I yeah. saw the clip with the Catalan radio announcers from the Bayern PSU game, okay. and they're wearing Barcelona jerseys up in the press box. <laughs> that's kind of, okay, that's, I find that funny, but yeah. Yeah, that's I mean, that that's taking a little bit too yeah. far. And I mean, on this show, we're very, you know, we make we make no uh, <laughs> no illusions about the fact that I'm an Arsenal supporter and you guys support Manchester United. And I, I think that just being upfront about that is better than having an air, a false air of neutrality when we come to discussing 
matches, but of course I can also at times try to be objective as much as possible and say, yes, Tottenham are an extremely talented football team. Yes, they also have a historic propensity to collapse. Well, I feel like almost when you take it like that, I would almost say that I'm harder on my own teams. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in many ways so. In many ways so. Okay, with that, we'll say goodbye. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Noren. Polly is Pequistal WFAN. Elliot is Keats was better. And then give FanRex Sports a follow as well, of course. And we'll talk to you again later in the week. Until then, have a good one. Bye-bye.